Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I could have stayed in Canberra. I could have stayed in Sydney. I could have kept working towards a future embedded in the Labor Party and Labor offices. But the path that I prioritized was love. Hello and welcome to Figuring Out 30. It is the podcast exploring the chaos, confusion and clarity that comes with life in our 30s. Hey going, I'm Bridget Hustwaite. I have got, <laughs> I'm breaking out, like my face is breaking out, my nails are non-existent right now, guys. I can't even explain the anxiety and stress that I am feeling in the lead up to hopefully obtaining Taylor Swift tickets this week. I mean, if you're listening to this it comes out on a Tuesday. Wednesday is the pre-sale, so tomorrow that I'm trying to get my Taylor Swift tickets for her MCG shows. I want to go to both nights, but I don't know how I'm going to like organize the logistics of doing that like on the computer and on my phone. I'm fucking stressed. Anyway, I know I'm not the only one here because obviously so many people want to see her. But can I just tell you, I've never seen Taylor Swift in an arena. I went to her first ever show in Melbourne, right? It was 170 Russell, which was known as Billboard at the time. It was 2009, an under-18 show. The ticket was $52.00. And yeah, it was a month before I turned 18 and it was kind of like, I guess, the self-titled Fearless era. The next time she came to Melbourne, I'm pretty sure she did Rod Laver for Speak Now. But yeah, that is the only time I've seen Taylor and I've like actively um, not gone to shows since because I just was so scared. Like obviously her being in an arena is amazing, but I, th- I was like, that's going to kind of, you know, take away Is it going to take away? I don't know how my mind works. It's so weird, but hopefully this makes sense. Like, you know, when you say a really big artist in an intimate venue and you just know you're never going to get that again, like I just didn't want to risk tainting the intimacy of that at all. And if that meant not seeing her in arena, never seeing her again, then so be it. But like, it's the errors tour. I have to go to this tour. It is a full circle for me. So Please just thoughts and prayers as I try and get my shit together and hopefully pull through with a ticket. Um, I guess we'll find out next week if I'm successful or not. And good luck to you as well if you're trying to get them. Like I feel like I can feel the stress of the nation right now. But let's focus on this episode. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. It was such a a fun recording and it is with Alicia Aitken Radburn. So if you ask me, right, the best season of The Bachelor Australia, no doubt was 2018 with the Honey Badger and not because of the Honey Badger, even though it was like a huge scandal that he didn't end up picking a girl. But I reckon that group of girls that season is the best group we've had as part of The Bachelor franchise in Australia, like so many icons. And one of them is Alicia 
Aitken Ratburn. Now, you may remember her as like the former Labor government staffer. Maybe you remember her as a villain because she was kind of cast as that. But we did really get to know Alicia in the next two seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. And that is where she met her now husband, Glenn. And in this episode, we're going to be honing in on that relationship and specifically relocating for love. That is the theme of today's discussion because Alicia moved from Sydney to Perth to be with Glenn. And if you've listened to recent episodes of Figuring Out 30, you'd know how me and Oscar had this thing where we thought that he might have to go to Sydney and I was like willing to move with him. So that's kind of what got me thinking about the whole topic of like relocating for love. And yeah, I immediately knew I wanted to get Alicia on for this. And I'm so glad I did because Oh, I, got, I love talking to her. I could sit with her for hours and just have a wine. We have so much to talk about. And you'll actually hear in this chat how we know each other because, yeah, we've known each other, but this was kind of like our first proper conversation. So you'll hear that. And, of course, insight from Alicia uh, on how her and Glenn, you know, came to the conclusion that she would be the one moving, how she's gone about making her own independent circle of friends. And she's really transparent in this conversation. She's got some really good tips for people who are in a similar situation like if you're about to move for love or if you have done it if you're thinking of doing it maybe you're not sure hopefully this conversation can help you in some way and you'll also hear a bit about Alicia's book that she's just announced it's called The Villain Edit Um, we'll talk a bit about that and the link to pre-order the book is in the show notes of this episode it's out on the 29th of August but anyway let's get into it and figure it out. Relocating for love with Alicia Aitken Radburn. Alicia, welcome to Figuring Out 30. So excited to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to interview you and chat about relocating for love. You were the first person I thought of when I was thinking about this topic. But we first need to obviously acknowledge that you I was about to say the elephant in the room it's not an elephant it's like this right it's, Daisy's here to talk about it you've just announced your first ever book the villain edit so, like, it feels so good to actually have it out into the world like even just the cover and being able to share more widely that like I have this is what I've been doing for the last eight months. I feel like I've been so vacant to so many people. And I'm like, now, now you guys, like I was, this just, is down, I was just down at South Perth Library every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's so exciting. So it drops in two months on the 29th of August and I'll put the pre-order link in the Amazing. show notes of this episode. I've had the pleasure of reading the book and I fucking inhaled it in Yay. one sitting. Um, and you do talk a lot about love in the memoir. So people, yeah, definitely need to make sure they, um, check it out when it comes out. But it, just going back to how how it feels because you've been sitting on this body of work and it's such an emotional, personal project. And this is your first book. Like how would you explain, I guess, the process of stepping into the book writing world? I really, I, it was, okay. So firstly, like I, I knew I wanted to write a book and I'm actually messaged you like probably a year before I even started to have actual conversations about making it happen. Right. So it's been discovering a whole new world, but then it's also been that process of, you know, um, trying to write a good memoir and I tried to I'm like I literally was googling how to write a good memoir uh, yeah <laughs> and I think that through the process I came to know that it was it was going to be the most successful if I really like reached into my soul 
pulled it out through my mouth. That's an awful, that's an awful picture. But that's what it felt like so much of the time. And I can't tell you, like, they say not to write memoirs for therapy, but honestly, uh, you know, and I find that quite interesting because people talk about journaling. Journaling, yeah. Yes. And actually, for someone who has never particularly journaled, I like do do have like a year six diary, but um, yeah, I'm I'm not like someone who has sat down and really. I think I'm introspective from like a day-to-day perspective, but I'm not introspective to the point that like I'm now I take that next step and articulate it on the piece of paper. And it it has been incredibly therapeutic and yeah. it helped me understand myself a lot more. And it's funny because a lot of the book is about seeking validation mm-hmm. and almost putting it out into the world is my biggest test because, and I've spoken about this with my therapist, I have to, I've had to get myself to the point where if I put it out there and people don't connect with it or think it's trash or whatever, there's going to be bad reviews. Not everyone is going to love it. Mm. I'm very grateful that you liked it. I was so excited when like it popped up that you have have done it. Like even when you first messaged me in like 2020, I was like, I'm thinking about writing a book. Like it's funny because it's just cute little, cute little moments like this. So we, we have the same editor. Like I had um, Tessa for my first book and Tessa is yours from Ellen and Unwin. And in one of the chapters of my book, like when I wake up from my first endosurgery, the first thing that I said to my nurse was, can we watch the honey badger? Because I was so fucking invested in your season of The Bachelor. And now you've got a book and just the fact that we've gone through the same person and I've been able to read it. And like, my eyes were like, massively popping out of my head so much during the book like oh my god I'm just so excited for you, oh, girl. <laughs> thank you babe. yeah it's it's been a journey but it's yeah. been awesome and I hope like going back to the therapy thing I I do think that I'm well placed now that like obviously I'm always going to be affected we are always affected what people think about us yeah but I like to think that it's not going to you know if someone gives me a bad review or whatever it's not going to completely destroy my self-esteem no, and I think that that's where most of us need to get to, and and to like sort of take it back to figuring out thirty. Like, I think everyone says, you know, thirties thirties really good. Like, you're gonna feel really, you're going to start to feel really secure, and 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 I'm I actually do think like I'm thirty and a half now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so baby. I'm thirty and a half. <laughs> thirty and a half. <laughs> And I do feel like I'm getting there. So it's awesome. Well, let's start with that. It's my favorite question to start the pod with is uh, expectation versus reality. So growing up, what did Alicia envision for herself by the age of 30 versus what was your reality, you know, when you turned the big 3-0? Well, classic and so many women I think have this same timeline. I had engaged at 26, married at 28 and if you had asked me at 20, like during sort of probably like 27, 28, um, if that timeline, like I, I thought 
that that like was such a blowout and I thought I was ridiculous. Like engaged at 26 is kind of ridiculous. I did end up getting engaged at 28 and I'm married at 30 now, which yeah. is just so crazy. I'm like, I don't know if you've seen that clip from like Broad City with Alana and she's like, I'm 27. What am I, a child bride? <laughs> like, that, that is how I feel. Like I think my partner, Glenn, is turning 36 this year. So I think he's a lot more comfortable with like calling me his wife and stuff. But I'm like, no, I, uh, husband is just so. Do you, so... Does it come out naturally or do you still see yourself saying partner or something? Not yet. Like I was, I've, I've just started a new job and I'm sort of doing that thing where you're finding those people in the office that you like, you just have that inkling that you're going to connect with. And yeah. there's a girl that sits in my same sort of block of desks and, um, you know, we're sort of the same age. She's just, she's recently pregnant and I, she's, she's married, but I just found it so weird because I guess I'm trying to socialize like I did in my early twenties. And so to then like lead into sort of that early friendship stage and say like, oh, my husband at home, it doesn't, I'm, I'm not connecting with it yet. Um, but I'm very happy that it's all happened. And so expectation versus reality, it's, it's not, it's not far off, but I, I definitely think that, and lots of people would feel this way as well. Like when I was younger, I thought 30 year olds were fully like established adults. And I don't, and I saw this meme that's like, you know, um, when you were like hanging, your parents were hanging out with their friends can you believe that looking back on that, they were like 30-year-olds, mm. all like in their mid-30s. And now I'm that person, like we go over to our mate's house and they've got, you know, a four and a five-year-old. And I like love that we will be in their memory as these like... Fully fleshed adults. Yeah. Yeah. But I do not feel that way. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. I think about like I'm 32 and my mum at this age had four kids under four. I'm yes. just like, holy shit. I can't yeah. even look after this damn dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. I just, I, I feel the reality feels good in the sense that I, I think I'm in a place at the moment and I haven't, this has actually even just been like quite over the last sort of year period. I do feel, and this relates to what we're about to talk about, about moving for love, mm. but probably for the first time in my life, I feel the most stable and secure in one place that I've ever felt. And that sort of allowed me to build up that sort of 30 life around me like I it's it comes in the simplest things I've never had like a set of drawers to put my makeup in I've never like invested in actually like going and buying the Alex drawers from Ikea and setting up little compartments for my makeup because I was share housing all through my (laughs) 20s and it's like oh we had this like ottoman from Kmart that we lifted the lid off and we just chucked all our makeup in there so it feels nice when like built getting furniture that I know will like follow me to the next house or that sort of stuff is awesome. Yeah, I love that. And so, so interesting saying that you've, you know, never felt so, I guess, secure and stable in the one space and you are so physically far from home. So mm-hmm. moving to Perth, you're a Sydney girl. Um, what was, I guess, 
well, maybe before we dive into this current situation with Glenn, your relationship experience and particularly, I guess, have you ever had to move for love prior to this relationship or was it long distance? I I definitely, so I've had a couple of very interesting uh, like long distance location related relationships. So I did long distance with a guy in Perth before I met Glenn. That was probably at the end of uni and we dated for a year and that was probably my first taste of we would consistently fly back and forth to see each other um, sort of once a month. It was very expensive. And I was going to say, how did you afford that in uni? Shit. <laughs> okay. It's, it's actually, it's actually really regretful. I I, so I got left a parcel of money. I got left 50K by my grandpa, um, but 30,000 of that was tied to, so my, my, my grandpa passed away when I was in year 12 and, and basically the agreement was that that would pay for my university degree. I am just so deeply grateful that, so, so my grandma held the money and she would, whenever I would get my university bills I would send them her mm-hmm. way and so it, it totaled it, in totality it was about thirty thousand dollars and then I would have been about 24 or 25 and she gave me the balance oh, no. <laughs> and I'd like just moved out of home oh, no. and I just started this relationship with this guy in Perth and so like between oh. bond and like my first rent outgoings and that was your travel flying <laughs> to Perth I just, and I reflect on it now and I'm just like, I cannot believe you flitted away. You know, I think probably after paying bond and paying rent, I was probably left with about, it was over $10,000. And through my twenties, I could, even with the most rigid savings plan, I found it so, so hard to save up $10,000. That's crazy. Oh, hard. It is, yeah. I do not know how people like went traveling and $5,000 felt insurmountable. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I flitted away all of that money on that long-distance relationship. Did you pay for his flights when he would come? No, no, no. No, no, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I did did Perth and I did do a month in Vietnam with that money as well. But I do reflect on it now that I'm like, you know, financially savvy, like listening to She's on the Money Monday episode. <laughs> and I'm like, God, wow, you should have put that into an ETF or something like that. <laughs> um, but it was a good experience from the sense that I think that it really, I was I was in that spontaneous, um, you, like so when I was in my early 20s, no fear. Mm. And so I, I I was still fueled by that like just exploration, spontaneity mindset. I think the fact that I just like did it and I traveled to Perth like six or seven times to spend a weekend with this guy kind of opened my world a little bit and mm. made me understand that that was something that you could do. And the other long distance relationship that I had was I lived in Canberra I was working in Parliament House and I was dating a guy. It was an established relationship and he was still living in Sydney and that kind of spelled the end of the relationship because I didn't consider it very long distance. Yeah. And he did Mm. and it broke it down. I do think that long distance, I think probably my general perspective on it is 
um, it's very, very hard mm. to maintain. And is that what you thought, you know, heading into this relationship with Glenn? Like what was the conversation and the thought process that landed to the conclusion that you would move to Perth? Yes. Okay. So I think initially, so we meet in, we meet on Bachelor in Paradise in November, 2019. And generally what happens is you shoot in November and then the show comes out in like the next March or April. And so right. it's, you got it's, a couple of months. It's a couple of months. To keep it under wraps. To keep it under wraps. Yeah. And, mm. and so I think when that was our timeline and I flew back to Sydney, we kind of decided, okay, we'll just keep doing, we'll, we'll do the couple of like, now, now I did like have a full-time job and I had savings and we had a little kitty of money that we'd earned from the show. And so we were like, okay, we'll, we'll just keep it. And, and you're coming back to your own lives. So there's all that to negotiate as well. And we were like, we'll just make sure we see each other sort of like every month until the show airs. And I had left my job in Sydney. And so I was fairly not tied down. And I went, I actually went and did a bunch of traveling with the intention being that I was going to end up in Perth to watch the show with him. And then we would go from there. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening was COVID happened. And so I was, we had seen each other. We'd, we'd done the thing, like we'd seen each other in various locations, him in Sydney, me in Perth, um, us in Darwin to go visit some friends. We had, we kept consistent and then COVID hit and I was in Sydney, um, he was in Perth and uh, we were like, what do we do? I found out from a friend that McGowan in Perth was going to close the border and we had a conversation about it and we were about, yeah, four months in at this stage and I think both of us just kind of knew that it was serious that it wasn't like I think that we both saw longevity in the relationship this kind of just um fast forwarded it a bit (laughs) exactly exactly and so what we what I guess we did decide is that we didn't want to be apart for an extended period of time Mm. and how we made the decision that it was going to be me and not him was pretty pretty simple and I think that a lot of people here oh the woman is moving like isn't that just like classic (laughs) yeah yeah classic that is exactly right classic of course the woman's expected to move for us it was just practical Mm -hmm. Glenn has a full business in Perth Mm -hmm. it's literally called Perth City Air at the (laughs) time (laughs) yeah 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 Sydney City Air I don't know (laughs) what's and so and he was just in the first like I think he'd been in the business with his business partner for about a year and a half when I moved and so it really the conversation looked like, oh, okay, I have this full business. Um, and then I'm like, well, I've just quit my job that wasn't really crushing my self-esteem. And actually on top of that, I was not enjoying Sydney. Mm-hmm. I, I just found myself looking at what everyone else was doing. And that was aggravated by the fact that like everyone that I knew, my community was in Sydney. And I kind of thought, you know what, if I completely take myself to a new place, I think that that will fade away. This is your Saturn return. (laughs) Yes. And so it's sort of just the puzzle just fit. And so I packed two suitcases. This was in March, end of March, when really like the first border closures started. I got on a flight to Perth. 
my my lease with my housemate in Sydney in Summerhill lasted till July. I kept paying that. Glenn played paid for a place in Perth and I just moved in. He was he was already in a transition phase and he was moving in with his twin brother Neil. And so I kind of just became a third wheel on their house situation. And initially like I didn't want to feel like I was intruding or like that the, the whole thing was too permanent. So like I hardly <laughs> unpacked my bags and and I would always be like Such a trauma response, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. It was like, oh I'll just take out this one t-shirt. Yeah. Don't mind me. <laughs> yeah, literally. My past relationship, we moved into a new rental, um, signed on for a new 12-month lease, three weeks into it, he dumped me. No. And so m- moving into like this new place in my new relationship, like and even before that I moved into an apartment by myself but there was shit that I did not unpack for like a year because I was like something's gonna happen something's gonna happen like yeah and this was it was also my first time living with a partner oh right yeah I fully forgot about that so I was also like negotiating that and you know I've done the the 20s thing where you're practically living with your boyfriend but it is still very much like your space yes and then slowly but surely I think one of the clincher conversations was we'd probably been living together for two or three months in Perth the show which was meant to air in March got pushed back to August so instead of being that's a big jump yeah instead of being in hiding for four months we were expected to be in hiding for nine months wow it's a pregnancy yeah (laughs) baby literally we could have rocked up to the bachelor in paradise reunion with like a one month old um so so it would have been good tv and so that was that was okay because it was like very much lockdown and people were very like doing the homebody life and and then after two or three months I was just like we 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 passed that juncture where it was like you know my clothes were coming out of the suitcase now (laughs) and I was taking up a little bit more closet space and so things were moving naturally and then I went I was on our sort of we've got a really nice little veranda area and Glenn was working out there in the sun and I was on the phone walking past him and I was on the phone to like a shipping company to try and get my um, like 2004 Honda CRV shipped over. <laughs> <Yeah. Alabama. laughs> and he's, his ears just perked up and he was like, do we want to have a conversation about this? Oh. And I said, oh, yeah, I thought I was just going to ship my car over. <laughs> Just need to get around. <laughs> how, yeah, actually, yeah. how were you getting around prior to that? Like what's the PT well, sitch in My God, Bridget. I was okay. So the city you need a car in. <laughs> so I I wasn't working, and I found it really difficult to find a job because of COVID, mm-hmm. and and so I was really like, you know, everyone's baking sourdough. I was like neck level. I was doing every single. Also, I just realized I said neck, which is <laughs> like, like so <laughs> 2014. I love it. <laughs> See, I'm definitely not an adult. How can I? How can I say neck and then say husband? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so, so I was like really doing all of the things that people were doing in lockdown. I'm like painting. I've still got like fluid paintings that I like tried to do <laughs> hanging on our, wall, our bedroom wall. And so I would literally walk from our place, which is like, 
a Sydney analogy would be like it would be like walking from Newtown into this into Sydney CBD. Um, it, I, I was walking like an hour and a half one way towards the nearest ne- Westfield while Glenn was like out and about during his day because I just like wanted to go and do an activity. <laughs> so I would walk an hour and a half one way to the Westfield, have a walk around, get some more of those like Kmart canvas paint by numbers and then I'd walk home. <laughs> the walking is giving such underage energy though. Like when yeah. you don't have your fucking license. At least yeah. you would have got like heaps of steps in, I guess. <laughs> oh, I was fit back then. But yeah, I just like yeah, it was it was definitely I think that moving during COVID was almost like an insulating experience rather than someone who's moving for love, not in sort of the lockdown environment mm. because I was insulated by the fact that like not nobody was really doing anything. anything. I remember the last time, the, the first time after living in Perth for like a good year or so, it would have been basically a year thanks to lockdowns that I was able to go back to Sydney and see all my friends again. And I I was very comforted by the fact that I walked into this party and I was really not in a good place. And I think the reason why I'd actually gone over was because I'd said to Glenn, I'm feeling really disconnected. Yeah. Um, I need to go and sort of fill up my cup. I knew it wouldn't take much, but I just physically needed to see people and have that community. And I walked into this, I think I actually set up an event at like the Erskineville Hotel or something mm-hmm. like that. And all my friends came and we're all sort of communing, drinking pints and actually drinking schooners because they don't have them in Western Australia, which I really <laughs> miss because the pipe's just too much. And so like this one, one of my friends said to me, um, I'm like sort of spilling my anxiety out onto them. And they were like, we, we, I reckon I've seen these people at this party like once while you've been gone. And so that kind of comforted me as well, the COVID thing. And also the fact that like most of my friends are in their late 20s, early 30s. And I do feel like this is a transitional phase for people where people are sort of like coupling up, becoming like more internal, like enjoying their home life more. I feel like people Mm -hmm. have more income in their late 20s and early 30s. So they're like doing, they're they're making their house a home Mm -hmm. and finding that stability. So I d- yeah, th- those were definitely insulating factors. Yeah, because, I mean, it's such a huge, it is such a huge move, literally going to the other side of the country. Oh. And during that time, were there any other challenging moments? I mean, I'm just thinking like socially as well, like how did you find building your own social circle? Because obviously you've got like Glenn and his brother and like that's an amazing network, but just to have that social independence, like how did you kind of go about that in Perth? It was really hard. And I think that like to anybody that is considering taking sort of a leap and and it looks like this might be on their radar, I would definitely not discourage it, but I would be realistic in the sense that it took me probably two years to feel like I actually had a community that I could call my own. And now that I'm there, I'm like, oh, wow. Like it's it's almost so much more fulfilling and I get so much out of it because it was hard to build. I think so, so definitely, it's definitely challenging and it definitely just like took heaps of time. 
remember when I first moved over, I would, oh, I was leaving like my office building. So that's like a good, I didn't get a job in Perth until I was here for about seven months. So, you know, I'd already been in Perth for quite a lot of time and I was leaving my big towering office building and a girl stopped me and she'd seen me on the show and she she like she was really lovely she said like oh i've sent you a dm hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And before, and she was like, I know that you're new to Perth. If you ever want to get a drink, Aww. let me know. And I, I was like, oh, what's your Instagram? And I searched it in front of her. I saw the DM that she'd sent and I was like, I'm getting on this bus. I'm going to message you and let's find some times. And I went, Glenn would say to me, I would come home. I would like say to Glenn, oh, I'm going on a date tonight. And I meant like date <laughs> a friend girls. Date. <laughs> <laughs> a friend date. And I was just going on dates with girls and and uh, yeah, it it was really hard. I, I think like, sorry, I'm going to another topic now, but like it, it's sort of in the same frame. Mm. I think there's also an ex- expectation that when you move for love, that your partner's network will become your network. And in many ways, like a lot of Glenn's friends have become my friends and they're all beautiful people. But the missing piece of the puzzle was that like, I was just being introduced to a group of friends and they were like his friends and I wanted my friends in Yes, yes. And so I had another click moment. My first friend that I made in Perth that felt like my friend was I was doing Triple J Hack. Oh, yeah. And this is like how me and Bridget (laughs) knew each other. Like I would do Hack on a Friday and then I'd be in my studio waiting to go on and like you'd be on. I'm like, oh, awesome. (laughs) And I'd like get to hear her good nights intro. (laughs) I loved it. Um, and so I was doing hack and this guy, Zach Kirkup, who was the, he ran against Mark McGowan in our last state election. Is he liberal? Yeah, he's oh. a liberal. And so we were doing the shake up hack and I'm labor and we just got talking and he, he was my first friend that was one of my friends that felt like the friendships that I'd built in my twenties. Yes. So like a lot of my friendships in my twenties were people that I had met at university that were involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Didn't really matter what color their t-shirt was like I had friends from all political persuasions and so I'm like here with someone who you know very different like we're not in student politics anymore he's he was literally the opposition leader um but I just like I we had a really good chat chat on hack and then I we were walking out of the Perth ABC studios and I said do you want to go get a beer with me and he said yes and now like he came to me in Glenn's wedding and he's Aww. like one of my closest friends and I think it's really important to find those people yes I I yeah. fear that sometimes 
the, what happens for people when they move for love is that their identity becomes so enmeshed in their partners that they have no independence. And it's so easy to do and not realize at the time as well. Yeah. And then you might not realize it until a few years down the track and be like, yeah. fuck. But it, yeah, it is easy to get swept up in that. I, and I tell you one of the like things that I told a girlfriend that I think was really hard for her to hear and almost like I think she didn't really believe me. Um, but when I'd been here for, this was probably, I probably shared this with her maybe a year ago, but I said to her, babe, if me and Glenn broke up, well, got divorced now, (laughs) (laughs) but if, you know, anything happened to our relationship, I don't think I would move back over East. Perth is my home. Wow. So that was a really big one as well. And I do, like, I, I still think that that remains true to this day. Like, uh, you know, I think I would at least try and give it a red hot crack because this is my community. And I've also like, I've done a lot of not just friendship building, but career building mm. in the context of Perth and Perth's networks. Um, and that's giving up a lot of progress in that area as well yeah well I mean if you like god forbid if you did have to like moving back to Sydney would be like starting from scratch again yes you know yes and I also would feel quite intimidated now going back to Sydney um and also it should be noted here that I think that depending on where you're moving from and to also will color your experience as well because I think that moving to Perth, which feels considerably smaller and quieter than Sydney, which is what I needed and what what I was ready for. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, that's made it easier because I was really trying to escape the sort of hustle and bustle. Um, I was ready to feel like a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if you were moving from like Sydney to New York or LA, it's like, whoa, okay. I just like, don't, I would not even know where to start. Yeah, Even for me, like, and I've done a year in Sydney, but like the thought yes. if I had to go from Melbourne to Sydney again, could do it, but it does intimidate me because Sydney is like, it's, I guess. So tell me, <laughs> tell me about your experience. Well, okay. So this idea, like tackling this topic actually came about, um, because my partner, Oscar, his like he plays footy, right? So he spent yep. the last eight odd years playing for Melbourne and Carlton. Yes. And then he had a big back surgery, got delisted by Carlton last year. He currently plays VFL. And then the mid-season draft just happened um, and Sydney Swans were asking wow. about him, right? So they, it's such a weird thing. Like, And the way I described it recently was like, you apply for a job, you go through the process where you have your interviews, your meetings, you give all the documentation, Um except the way you find out is on national TV on a live stream and everyone knows about you going for the job and everyone's speculating and writing articles and talking about you on Fox footy and KO and all that shit. Um, And people have expectations of you, people that you don't even know and will come up to you in the fucking dog park and be like, Oh, are you ready for tonight or whatever? And you're like, so this is what happened. And we, at the start, it was looking quite promising that he was going to go. Like he met with their physio and with their psychologist and I was like well I'll obviously move with you like I'm happy to go back to Sydney like I love Melbourne but I would move for Oscar um, and I can easily work out of Sydney like that's totally fine for me Um, and then as the as it got closer to the actual night of the draft 
then Sydney were like, we were, if we were to consider consider him, um, we'd only offer a six-month contract. And I was like, well, I wouldn't move for six months because it wouldn't mm. even be a full six months. It would really be three or four because Sydney are not going to make yep. the finals. Um, and then there's no guarantee that they would sign him on for next year. But if they did sign him on for a whole year, I would move for that. So yes. I was first kind of, we were managing our expectations and Oscar was really good with it. But of course, I'm anticipating things like, oh, maybe we'll have to move because if you find out, you have to go like, the next day like they would get him on and they said that to him if we get you we need you up here to play that weekend kind of vibe yeah um such a head fuck like it's such mental whiplash but come the draft night he they didn't end up picking him and they kind of like ghosted him like they never followed up and was like thanks for your time but we're not going with you so he doesn't even really so what happens got moving forward now well we're just in melbourne which is fine um and he you know he's such a smart like he's got his head screwed on like he was a bit disappointed his VFL coach was furious because just when you know he was up in Sydney meeting with their physio and did like a 45 minute zoom with their psychologist like if you got any questions about the well-being of the club they never guaranteed him a spot but like to have such big steps and for everyone to say that you're going to Sydney and then he actually didn't um so now he's just still playing VFL um, down here and, and working and like he might get picked up at the end of year draft but yeah it was just like it's been like a crazy fucking month of just like you know what are we doing and then then it's like oh we're not going and I don't know it's, it's just such, it's, whiplash. it's like quite anticlimactic <laughs> yeah. and that's hard to emotionally like I remember it reminds me of this situation and sorry to relate everything back to the reality no story. it's perfect in writing the book I was reflecting on this situation that happened it would have been my first season of Bachelor in Paradise and I was for like for context for listeners who haven't seen my seasons of The Bachelor you don't have to would recommend it, for this story <laughs> Um, but basically I wasn't, I wasn't featured all that much on my first season, but, and I still hold this because of my relationship with other contestants and the sort of brand around that I was considered for the first season of Bachelor in Paradise. Well, sorry, the second that aired. And that story reminds me of this case where like, I was basically going through the process and I was just so nervous that I wouldn't get chosen. And this thing came out in the media about I don't know if um, you remember there was um, Tiffany and Megan Marks used to, they were like the first same-sex couple that had found themselves on The Bachelor. It was quite a big thing at the time. And Tiff was going through the application process for Bachelor in Paradise and clearly she was like how people came to know that she wasn't going on was because she like put up some really hectic Instagram posts basically really like it was a photo of her with her middle finger up at the camera and she was fucking pissed at production and I think people treated her kind of cruelly at the time because they were like oh my god you're complaining about like not being selected for a reality tv show people kind of were taking the piss at her in the comments and like I think the vibe was this is a very dramatic reaction to yeah a reality but but really when like having been through the experience you're doing you're doing a full psych evaluation you're speaking to producers multiple times a week while they basically collect every strand of your story you're doing medicals like super invasive medicals she was also like putting things into practice that would have made her really excited she was like clearly going and getting like 
beauty treatments and just like everything, like every single thing that elevates your your excitement towards a future prospect. Because you also have to be prepared because yeah. it happens so quickly. So you can't Correct. just sit around and be like, oh, it's not going to happen. And then, oh, fuck, i got to move now. Like, we'll go on this show suddenly. I, I actually thought that her emotions were completely valid because you've just gone down the garden path and you've you've basically, like, as much as I was trying to hold myself back from – I, I was basically like until I'm on the plane, I won't like feel like I've actually been cast because it was protecting my emotions in the case that I did get dropped. Mm-hmm. It's hard to actually do that. Like if you've got an offer there or, and, and you know, as you say in Oscar's case, like people are speculating. It's hard mm. not to like let your mind get carried away with what that future could look like for you. I think another thing for me with the potential of moving to Sydney, if Oscar you know it was drafted was the fact that I had done it before and I'd done long distance from Melbourne to Sydney and my first time living in Sydney was really isolating and depressing and I have a, a bittersweet relationship with Sydney for that reason I know this would have been and like it would have been a different circumstance and I was actually I had to like almost emotionally build yeah my so what was your experience like like did you become uh, I guess like in terms of that emotional lip whiplash of like preparing yourself for the prospect of moving yeah. with Oscar Well, when Sydney came up, I was like, I guess first my heart kind of went to my bum. I was like, oh, Sydney triggered. But then I was like, well, no, for me, it actually really works professionally. Like I can still do everything that I'm doing and maybe more up there. Yeah, there's nothing like holding me back or tying me down in Melbourne. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually, I can give Sydney another go. Like 2.0, like new era, like let's, you know, clean slate and have a good experience living there. Um, So I kind of almost had to hype myself up for that. But then little triggers kind of popped in just from the previous relationship um I was like oh god what happens if I move and then it doesn't work out and then I move back to Melbourne and like just thinking of these you know silly scenarios and psyching myself out a bit so I was probably taking myself through more emotional turmoil than Oscar was and like I had a mini like little mental breakdown the weekend before the draft and I was just like you know this whole thing like I know it's not 100% locked in but it's just bringing up some stuff and it's bringing up about some um insecurities and it's what prompted me to like book in with my psychologist again and I saw her again this past week which is perfect like always always recommend taking your brain for a little service like it's a car um but yeah I felt bad though post draft um you know when his name didn't get called out I was like god I feel bad because I feel like I've kind of not made it about me but I've just been maybe maybe I showed too he and he's never he didn't say anything to me but I I just felt bad in my head I was like I've probably maybe I showed too much emotion or maybe I helped him you know maybe I didn't help the situation but I don't think he would think of it like that but it's just a really weird experience and it's hard to explain unless you've gone through it and similar to you know your experiences with reality tv and just in public you know, in a public facing Mm. kind of field where, yeah, others can uh, speculate and lend their opinion and stuff and it extends to football. (laughs) Like it's fucking brutal. It's so savage. It's crazy. But that's what prompted it. I hope you know like I'm fully invested in the ending stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I need to put a Google alert on. (laughs) Well, well, it's funnily um, one of the other clubs that originally just asked about him but it didn't go anywhere was West Coast and I was like, 
fuck I was like that is now that's a big shift and like that's that that, that's hard because like we're both sort of in the media and that's a different conversation for you because like to be completely frank like that it would be an amazing opportunity for Oscar but it would so limiting for me very (laughs) limiting for you and you know me and Glenn have worked through it and I'll, I'll tell you like moments that were difficult for me when Anthony Albanese was elected And I've worked for the Labor Party for the better part of a decade, like my whole adult life. And I'm watching all of my peers, lots of my friends find these like fabulous jobs Mm. in Canberra. And and then the same thing happened again when Chris Minns won the New South Wales election. Again, like I've moved through a system, basically devoted a decade of my life to Labor politics and I've never seen, I've never been involved in a Labor government. And that's kind of the pinnacle. Like that means you're actually getting to do the work that you've been working towards doing. Like I was handing out flyers in Parramatta or Blacktown to elect good Labor members to make really good policy for Australians yeah and so when you're sort of like now and and obviously we do have a Labor government here in Perth but uh it's just different like I don't have the same I do now but I didn't have the same sort of Labor connections as I did over East and so I was just looking at it and I was thinking oh like the best example is now that Labor has won the New South Wales election, my first boss who I've, like the first person, woman I ever worked for who is amazing and whenever I'm in Sydney, we still go have dinner together, she's just become a minister. Oh, huge. She's the minister for industrial relations and it's just one of those sliding door moments where you're like, wow, what, like if I was still in Sydney, would I go work for her? Mm-hmm. Would I get that opportunity? It's sort of like, oh, okay, well, I've I've ma- I've decided to make, like I've made these decisions for myself. So there's like an absolute level of autonomy, but it's just, I guess, coming to terms with the fact that all of our decisions do require, like if I'm going to, I could have chosen the political path. I could have kept, like I could have stayed in Canberra. I could have stayed in Sydney. I could have kept working towards a future embedded in the Labor Party and Labor offices. Mm-hmm. But real, like the path that I prioritised was love and I'm glad that I made that decision because I think that that's an accurate representation of what will bring me the most um, like long-term deep emotional happiness. And fulfilment, yeah. Yes, but, you know, there's always something that you're sort of sacrificing and compromising on and I think that the key to that is having a fabulous partner who you can just completely have that raw conversation with and they can hold space for you and help you find like I've absolutely managed to sort of twist things and tweak things in Perth so I still manage to derive like the fulfillment that those roles I think I was seeking from those roles well I think it's telling before you were like you know even if something happened I would still live here like that's really telling you yeah like it's, you wouldn't you know move in a heartbeat like you said you've done so much groundwork in Perth I think that's that kind of says it all like mm-hmm. that answers it within itself for sure 
God, it's such a big move though. (laughs) It really is. And it's like, and it's, and it's, it's hard. Like, well, how do you go about like, if you have, you know, if you have conflict, because obviously everyone has conflict in their mm. relationships, but did you ever have to sit down with Glenn and be like, look, we are going to hit some bumps. Mm. Um, and even in the heat of the moment, we need to remember like we're a team and try and resolve it because, you know, it could be pretty lonely for you. Yes. Specifically, yep. if you have conflict and, you know, you feel extra isolated, you know, in that yep. experience yeah I do like feel very grateful that me and Glenn are not like we're communicators rather than fighters which was not a feature of my previous relationships mm-hmm. I actually used to think that like true love was marked by like I just assumed that everyone fought relentlessly in their relationships and it was so when we say like conflict is a feature of relationships absolutely it is but for me at the moment and like for my personality type, I could not, I could not be in a relationship that has like consistent daily conflict as a feature Mm -hmm. in, in times that like I need to speak to somebody. I do, I've, I've managed to identify girlfriends in Perth that are like my, my person that I would drive over and have a wine with if you need to debrief something. So I think it's about finding those people and obviously FaceTiming my girlfriends back home. What what has been key is the acknowledgement from Glenn that I am the one making the sacrifice. Yes. And he has explicitly said to me a couple of times, which I just found so moving. I remember this one time we were like, we would we, we, we'd been doing nothing. Like we would have been going on and I think we were driving to Ikea or something and we were driving over this bridge in Perth that I just like it's just such a spectacular bridge you drive over the Narrows Bridge and you've got like this view of Kings Park it's and and the view of the city skyline and it's very much like a moment I often drive over it in my car and I just look around and I have like almost a euphoric feeling like this is my home anyway we were driving over that together and he just said to me sort of out of nowhere I don't even think we were particularly having a conversation and he just said to me I really need you to know how much I acknowledge that you've made a sacrifice to come live here with me in Perth I love that. and just for it to come out of just like there's no context no markers, not me seeking it yep. I thought that was really good and we also have some practical things that help so part of our sort of informal agreement is that he um I get all his Qantas points <laughs> yes. so so it was, so I moved and I just literally have free reign on his when and he's got to help me agreement come about like basically <laughs> as soon as the the border restrictions ended so like I've got access to his Qantas account occasionally I just go dip in and book myself <laughs> a week <laughs> and so I think that's a fair trade-off. I love it. I love it. I think it. that's a fair trade-off. I do too. I think that's so good. I wouldn't even think of that. It's genius. Yeah, it's very practical. And you get used to the flights. It's fine. I get on and like over to Sydney. It works better when you live in Perth and you have to go to Sydney because the flight from Sydney to Perth is basically five hours mm. but you get tailwinds over east so <laughs> when you're going Perth to Sydney it's only like three and a half so I just like have a red wine watch a movie and I'm basically there yeah <laughs> that's so good I love you like talking shop about tailwinds yeah and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I know radio. it um, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you like can you think of a, a pinpoint a moment you know 
where it's kind of made a core moment that's made you stop and go, I'm so glad I did this. But yes. I, I feel like driving over the bridge was probably one of them. Driving over the bridge is one of them. And they all, they both have, they're both related to driving. The <laughs> other one was there's like a very particular, it's funny, it's the, it's the Westfield that I used to walk to. So I used to walk for, to the Westfield and I went like, you know, you're walking. So you have to go some like random route. And then when I got my car shipped over, I started driving to that same Westfield, but I would put it in my Apple Maps and I would sit it in my cup holder and I would let it direct me. And I let it direct me to that Westfield probably for about six months. I would just out of habit, put the location in, put it in my cup holder. And then one day I just drove there and I didn't have my maps open and I just knew, I knew where I was going. And it was that moment when I'd, and it wasn't even, it wasn't like an active decision. I'm not going to put the maps on today. I just drove there and back. And it was when I was driving back that I'd realized that I'd done it without the maps because I think I came up to a road and my mind was thinking like, oh, which way do I go? And I chose the way it was the correct way. And I felt so fulfilled because it was like, I do think I really, I've got a couple of friends who have done the whole thing where they've like moved to New York in their mid twenties. And I just think that I really, really rate that. I think that if you have the opportunity through your twenties, thirties, to move and discover a new place I would absolutely because the 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 absolute fulfillment and energy you get when it's almost like when you you, like you're practicing a skill and you get better at it same as writing the book like my writing improved Mm -hmm. so much by the end and I just haven't had an opportunity in my late 20s or 30s to like practice a skill yes I just got so much fulfillment by improving at something and so it's so it was it's a very different emotional experience and I hope to do it again like me and Glenn this is so Perth and like Bogue and Aussie of us but we're going Bali yeah (laughs) 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 you should see my mortified face the listeners but yes you're right like every time we go to Bali we're like oh and you you know you sometimes see people on the beach expats like with their kids so yeah we've 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 flown to Bali but uh, actually what's come up in our recent conversations that I'm I'm really gaining some traction on is also moving to like a rural town I would also really like to do that like a a sort of small town that just has like a pub and an antique shop and you find many of them in WA yeah there are York beautiful so I don't know where we'll have you been to York bitch yes so when we were like 10 um we did a road trip from Ballarat to Perth in the four-wheel drive and we went up to like Monkey Mire and um, oh dolphins yeah I got to got to feed one it was iconic um but yeah, we we stopped in the caravan park at York. The the hospital there, they say it's haunted. There's like a maiden or something. Um, okay, the, like it was just a really like would need to give it another shot. But it was fucking creepy. And there was like foxes that would steal your shoes oh. if you left them out of the caravan. And I just remember there's like one of the souvenirs that Mum got was like a drawing of a guy on like one of those penny farthing like bicycles, <laughs> yeah. and it says York. Like that's just my specific memory. Of so good. But I'm sure it's a really nice, quaint little town. But I just yes. scared by the hospital. Yes, <laughs> I should, I should, I should round. I'm 
I should round off with one other like making friends story that's yes. related to York. A piece of practical advice. When I did start to collate like sort of a group of girlfriends, this group of girls, and I had one link to the group and they invited me to a girls retreat and it was just outside of York. It was at this place called Bella, Beverly. So I said yes, because you have to say yes to things. I drove out. It's like a two hour drive and I'm like half an hour away and I get a t- I can see the chats going off and the girl who's my linkage to the whole group that I'm about to go have a weekend with is like stuck in Canberra for work. And so I'm about to like go into a house with five or six girls who I just like don't know. Oh. Best weekend of my life. And now we've do I think we're up to our third girls retreat. And so I think the takeaway there is like for me one thing that's hard about friendships in your 30s is when we're at like uni or school, you've got time and you like keep having recurring events to build your friendship with people. Totally. So like you're at the uni bar and then you see them in a shoot or whatever. And yeah, those those don't exist at when you're an adult unless you're like you've got a work friend. So I think it's about making those recurring opportunities to build your friendship with people. And, and look at it got, now. I've got a couple of friends. I love <laughs> so. that. My final question, Alicia, what has Relocating for Love taught you about yourself? It's a lame response, but it's the accurate response. Is it, it cringe? Bring it on. It's cringe. It's yeah. like um, it's taught me that I am capable of anything. Yes. It's just emblematic of the fact that like it's kind of like we can do hard things. There has been so many different challenges about moving to Perth, but you have the capacity to do it. It will get easier. And then when you do do it, it will be so much more fulfilling to your life than if you had just stayed in the stagnant spot that you were in. I'm so glad that I just took the leap because it's just opened up my world so much. It's definitely like, again, you said effort. I've definitely had to learn to be better, be a better communicator. And I'm not even there yet with my Sydney friends and my Canberra friends. That's a weakness of mine, like replying to text messages and organizing things. But um, it's a chance for like, I don't know why professional development came to mind. But it's, like it's, it's personal development. It's like extending yourself. And yeah. I think that's good. I think that's what we've got to be doing at all times. Yeah, I love it. I'm so happy for you. And congratulations again on the book. So that's Thank out you. in just over August two months. 29. August 29th. I'm so excited. It's, it's such a ripping read. Um, yeah, and the link to pre-order is in the show notes of this episode. But I've loved chatting to oh, you. Thank it's you been so, so much. nice. I, my cup is so filled. Same. <laughs> If you want to stay connected with Alicia, I have got her Instagram handle in the show notes of this episode, as well as the link to pre-order her amazing book, The Villain Edit. It's dropping on the 29th of August. I'm Bridget Husswaite. Thank you so much for joining me on Figuring Out 30. Next week's episode is a wild one. We're going to be focusing on a bit of family. Have you ever made any discoveries about your family as an adult? I know I have. In fact, the year that I turned 30, I discovered 
a lot of shit that's definitely kind of made me realize like, oh, that's why I'm so anxious or that's why I approach relationships in this particular way. But anyway, you're going to hear from somebody who decided to do an ancestry DNA test at the age of 31 and the results were life-changing. So more on that next week. I'll catch you then. And in the meantime, if you like what you're hearing, please review and rate the podcast, share it with anyone that you think may enjoy it. Figuring Out 30 is a completely independent project just run by me, presented, produced, one woman show. Love it, but it's a lot of work. So your support really does mean the world. And I want to acknowledge that the podcast is created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. So thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week. Hopefully with Taylor Swift tickets. (laughs) Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.